Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back another five players i can't stop drafting and this time with a legendary football <laughs> i believe he's making his debut on the channel we've done home and home before. true i think so bill it's bill barnwell wow. you, man? josh my friends how are you it's an honor you're back from your honeymoon everything yes. is going great just destroying life so i feel like it's a real honor just to try and ride your coattails to some success during uh hot hot festival summer um the names that you brought today by the way they are delicious uh there are three (laughs) names that are being drafted after 170 overall in adp those three names we have not discussed yet a single time this summer beautiful really i think is the point of these shows when we bring people on like you Mm -hmm. as all of you know we always go in adp order and kick us off with the first name bill barnwell and i'm gonna start with a young receiver by the name of George Pickens. And this goes back to something I looked at in a column earlier this year when I was writing about the playmakers for each NFL team. And I was looking at the next-gen stats for George Pickens a year ago as a rookie. And this is in line with, I think, what we saw um, from him as a receiver in year one. But I think just the sheer the, the, the sheer gap between him and anybody else in one particular metric stood out to me. So the NFL's next-gen stats has a metric called expected catch rate. And expected catch rate, it, it takes into account the where, where you are relative to the receivers or defenders around you, where the quarterback is, whether he's likely to get pressured. Basically, at the moment the ball comes out, what are the chances that your receiver is going to come down with the football? Now, when you eliminate the guys who didn't run very many routes, I think I went with 500 and more routes there's a basically a, a big range. Everyone's between yeah. 55% and 70% for expected catch rate. George Pickens was at 51%. George Pickens had it harder than anybody else in football last year who ran a significant number of routes by a meaningful margin. So that's going to regress towards the mean this upcoming season. And what George Pickens did with that 51% expected catch rate is he caught 61% of the passes thrown to him. He was 10% above his expected catch rate. So yes, I do think that will regress towards the mean a bit as well. What that tells me is you have a guy who has incredible catching ability, who's going to have easier throws to get in 2023 in an offense where we would expect Kenny Pickett to improve in year two. I'm not the biggest Kenny Pickett plan fan on the planet, but the Steelers, I mean, they deserve some benefit of the doubt when it comes to they draft guys. Usually they get better. I mean, there's not a 0% chance Kenny Pickett takes a big leap forward in 2023. And to me, I know, of course, there's plenty of mouths to feed here with Dante Johnson, with Pat Fryermuth, with Najee Harris. But I do think that George Pickens, to me, has number one receiver upside in this offense. Once that regresses back towards the mean, given his skill set, given his ability, if they don't just throw him back shoulders and fades this year, I think he has like 1,300 yard upside in 2023. 
George Pickens being drafted right now is wide receiver 70, 76 overall. When we did our second year wide receiver show, he was actually going four spots earlier at mm -hmm. wide receiver 36. At that time, he was being drafted ahead of teammate Deontay Johnson, I think because mm -hmm. many people obviously buy into the jump, the leap of second sure. year breakout wide receivers. Um, typically, when we have guests on, though, I do like to agree. I feel like you and I are close enough where okay. I can push back a little bit. Please, and go for it. George Pickens, to me, is a player who, yes, last year, as you said, 84 targets, 52 catches, 801 yards, four touchdowns. I am feeling a bit nervous because, as you said, yes, his acrobatic catching ability along the sidelines, ones that were deemed catches and ones were not deemed catches, mm -hmm. were insane. It's highlight real stuff. Yep. Part of my brain thinks that almost inflates who we believe, one, he is as a talent because he can do that, mm -hmm. but two, of, okay, what if he doesn't have to do those? Part of mm -hmm. me is nervous that he's going to still have to do that because that is a Matt Canada-style offense. They didn't change their play caller, right? Where it's mm -hmm. a bunch of sure. vertical routes, things along the sideline, outside breaking routes, very mm -hmm. little slants, things over the middle of the field. And I'm just nervous that like this is who he is in this offense. And if we're not going to get easier production, yes, he can do the acrobatic, difficult mm -hmm. things really well. But I want guys that can do the 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 easy stuff really well mm -hmm. on top of that. And I don't know if we're going to get that opportunity as much as we might be with other wide receivers in his area. It's a fair question and a fair point to raise. And I think that's a two things. Number one, of course, it's easier to add the easy stuff than it is to add the hard stuff, which he's already doing a really good job at. Right. And I would say even in the, the archetype of that kind of receiver, like a Mike Williams, for example, where it is your, your catches are going to be tougher and, and more contested than most other uh, receivers, you know, who are getting that sort of target range in the NFL, even within that archetype, Pickens's expected catch rate was astronomically low last year. And I think that's the thing is, you know, even if he's the same archetype of player, if he's running a 56, 57, 58% expected catch rate, which is probably about what you'd expect just from sheer regression towards the mean, that alone could be, you know, a, a way for him to boost his his catch rate, boost his target share. And then, you know, I think there's also some element of, you know, uh, he has to prove it. And I think if he does get easier opportunities and does succeed more, it's only going to encourage Kenny Pickett to throw to him more often. So, you know, I, I absolutely see the point, but I think having that club uh, in your your bag that's that's the golfer i don't know how a golf works having that club in your bag already to, to, you know having having proven you can do that i think the other stuff is easier than doing the other way around where you have the easy stuff and you have to develop as a contested catch guy a downfield route guy we know he can do the hard stuff already yeah i i'd love to pull up where he's going right now again as wide receiver 40 yeah here are the wide receivers in his range at the moment mm -hmm. it, he's going just after uh, Jordan Addison, who I love, and I'm going to take Jordan Addison over him every single time. Then you have the wow. Darius Tony, Gabe Davis stuff. Then after this, you have Quentin Johnson, who maybe can do like some of the acrobatic stuff, but it's more like, hey, vertical big plays, especially after the catch. Mm -hmm. That's his his role. I guess my question is this. If you love the big downfield playability, I'm not talking about you specifically, but everyone out there. Yeah. In general, the big downfield ability of George Pickens. Why is he going like, I don't know, 20 something spots ahead of Alec Pierce, who's going as wide receiver 68, who is also playing that downfield uh, contested catch vertical in, in not a similar offense, but in an offense that has a downfield throwing quarterback 
as well. It it's it's one of those names, Bill, and we'll move on in mm-hmm. a second. But it's one of those names where I almost have to reset my my priors or my opinions, mm-hmm. I should say, on George Pickens because it frustrated me, and I was really critical of this pick when he was going ahead of Deontay Johnson. And now that mm-hmm. he's going behind him, I do need to reset that stance and and say, okay, this is more viable. This can actually pay off versus what he was previously going as, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think you're hoping for more pass volume. And, and I think obviously we don't know what the Colts offense is going to look like in terms of how many games we're getting out of Anthony Richardson. It certainly seems like when he's playing, it's going to be a, a pretty run-heavy offense. And I think that would be the concern is just the Steelers are going to throw more, I think, yeah. than the Colts do this year. And that's going to be the difference. But you know, to your point, I, I would argue Alec Pierce is probably a little underrated, especially in a best ball format where, you know, when he has a good week, it's going to be probably from an explosive catch or two. On the NFL season pickums, which you can find over on mm-hmm. Fantasy, by the way, if you like these, you should try them out. The link's in the description down below. I'll match your first deposit up to $100. Uh, George Pickens is projected for less than, uh, or uh, let's say 100 fewer yards than his teammate, mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson. Okay. What's the next name for you? Next name, very different kind of player, moving to a new team, a new role. And I think a guy who has significant value, especially if you're going to be using a zero RB style of play, and that is Samaje Pirine, now of the Denver Broncos. And th- there's different ways he can be valuable. Of course, the number one is the, 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 the role you have as a running back in a Sean Payton offense where you're going to be catching the football. Pirine's been an effective receiver for the Bengals the past years, I think everyone remembers, or at least a lot of people remember him catching that touchdown pass to start the, the, the comeback in the AFC championship game on a swing or on a screen pass against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. He can be a screen player. He can He's not going to be a guy like Alvin Kamara who's going to be, you know, lining up in the spot. But can he be a guy who, you know, you can line up, get up in space and make big plays? Absolutely, he can be that receiver for them. And I think he's an effective runner as well. I think he's underrated in terms of what he can do between the tackles. Um, that offensive line in Cincinnati was not especially great last year. And I do believe, you look at what the Broncos did this offseason, they went out and, and signed Chris Manhurts blocking tight end. They went out and brought in P. Ryan to be a runner. They spent heavily on Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey, two expensive offensive linemen who are better, uh, better blocking for the run than they are blocking for the pass. I think you look at what they've done. To me, this offense under Sean Payton is not going to be about getting the most out of Russell Wilson. It's going to be about minimizing especially at first, what they need from Russell Wilson. So there's going to be a, a contingent role here for Samaj P. Ryan as the running back too. And then Javante Williams, we don't really know whether he's going to be healthy this year. There's the opportunity for him to be maybe a guy like J.K. Dobbins, where we were waiting for him to be back. And then he goes back on, you know, uh, injured reserve and he's gone for a few weeks. And Samaj P. Ryan has the, the lead role in Denver. This is really not a backfield where there's a ton behind those two guys. So I think Samaje P. Ryan has the upside to be a player where if things break right, he could be uh, in every down running back or close to an every down running back in Denver. So I, I think there's two different ways for him to provide value. And in that like 100 to 120 range where he's going and a lot of other backs are going, um, I like him more than the other backs in that group. Running back 35, 107 overall. You're the second person, I believe, to bring him up on this series. The first, uh, our buddy, Danny Heifetz. Um, oh, no. Okay. Can, can, I, can, we, can we erase this, please? Or um, This is I, a I lie. Love, we, can, we can cut this out, can't we? Well, I'm about to make it worse. I, I'm a big fan of your analysis of what you just gave as to why Simon okay. Piran is going to pay off this year. Because I think it's kind of twofold. 
I think a lot of people are are considering, well, what if Javante does play in week one? And what if he is healthy? Then, God, that means you're going to take zeros from Samaje Pirine. And I don't. I think that's furthest from the case. Like, mm-hmm. I think Sean Payton, as you said, when he looked at this roster, it was, we do not have someone that can fulfill the passing down duties that I like. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think any of us are going to sit there and say that Samaje Pirine and Alvin Kamara are the same mm-hmm. type of players, but Samaje okay. shines in pass pro situations and passing down situations. And mm-hmm. this is a heavily featured archetype on yep. a Sean Payton offense. Like going back to 2018, Alvin Kamara had 105 targets. Mark Ingram had 27 targets. 2019, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara had 97 targets. Latavius Murray had 43 targets. 2020, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara had 107 targets. And again, Latavius Murray had 26. They need someone who can be a reliable pass catcher. And so it doesn't have to be Javante Williams is injured this year. That unlocks like an astronomical ceiling, I think, of like mm-hmm. a top 12 season from Samaj P. Run. But mm-hmm. running back 35 is going to pay off if we what we expect the Broncos offense to look like if it just hits that with their usage of a free agent and his strengths in Samaj P. Run. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Now, Josh, I have a bonus question for you. Yes. And I, you don't, you're not ready for this. So I'm going to ask you this on the fly. There are two very notable archetypes in the Denver Broncos offense. There's the, there's the receiving running back, which goes back to Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles. And there's been a a role in that offense for a receiving running back, Sean Payton's entire time in New Orleans. There's also been a role for a big receiver who has been the focal point of the offense. It's Marquise Colson on a Hofstra. It's been Jimmy Graham, who is strangely back there now, which I did not expect to see this afternoon when I checked Twitter. Um, and then it was Michael Thomas. And, and of course, it hasn't always been the case. Brandon Cooks was there um, as the focal point of the offense. Last year, it was Chris Olave, who's not necessarily Michael Thomas size by any means. But, you know, it, it's been they very comfortable having a big receiver over the middle who can be a difference banker. And you look at the receivers in this offense, Jerry Judy is the most exciting one, but he's not a big guy. Cortland Sutton is, Tim Patrick is, Greg Dulcich is, Marvin Mims is not. Who, If anyone's going to be that guy in 2023 in the Broncos offense, who do you think it's going to be? I kind of want it to be Greg Dulcich. Um, I kind of do too. I'm really curious about Tim Patrick because I actually think that Tim Patrick was going to play that big slot role last year for mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett. And then when his preseason injury hit, they had no one to, to fill yep. in there. But the issue with this also, Bill, is that Drew Brees was much better at attacking the yes. middle of the field than Russell Wilson. No question. No question. So, so I don't does know it not be true at all. Question. Yeah, and I don't know if that question will lead us to gold. I think like Samaje Pirine will, especially in the mm-hmm. formats and the styles of drafts. Um, I agree. Like, like you have said. Okay. I and agree. I love Pirine. Everyone out there can tell that Bill, and not to out you, um, has been deep in the <laughs> underground best ball streets for a very long time. In fact, best ball mania two, the mm-hmm. top regular season scores, Bill was there. No odd job in your underdog lobbies. Thank um, you for about the top 10 for the vast majority of the season, the vast majority mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. It didn't, didn't pay anything, but <laughs> fun, 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 fun to at least be featured on an underdog stream. Um, you got, you got to time you got to time your, your hot stretches. That was a good team. I will say that was a good team came up short, sadly, but that was a, 
that was a very nice team. Uh, I've been try, trying to I know, I know. That's why that's why I'm excited to maybe maybe if I can get like a 12th place finish and and, yeah. and not make it to the finals, that would be great. I'd be thrilled. All right. Um next the, my next pick is the exact sort of player who will help me get to 12th place and not help me win a final. Um I I, I can't believe I'm gonna say this on camera. Literally my highest owned player. Uh, my 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 biggest exposure uh, currently in, in 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 the various best ball drafts for this upcoming season. It's Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, it is. I I I can't. I why did I do this to myself? God, I'm gonna say this, and 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 you're gonna probably agree, but it's not gonna be fun. No one no one likes clicking Zeke. I'm not thrilled when Zeke is there. You do. But the problem is. He's always there in the 16th or 17th round, maybe maybe 15th, 16th, 17th. He fits a lot of builds. There's an exciting week 17 matchup for Zeke. And I, I just keep coming back to everything I hear publicly, privately, is that the most likely scenario for Ezekiel Elliott is that he's back with the Dallas Cowboys, a team that we know loves Zeke, values him, paid him a lot of money for years past, certainly knows the offense. I can't believe he found a run where Zeke ran this many yards without getting injured or or uh, hitting the sidelines. But you know, like 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 Zeke is a he's going to get high value touches because he's going to play third down at times because he he can pass block and he's going to high value touches in the red zone near the goal line and those are valuable. And like when you look at the running backs who are going in that range, there's not a lot of guys who have the path to clear running back 1A value or in terms of the role in that offense. And, you know, most of those guys are looking for a player to get hurt to have meaningful roles or meaningful values. And that's not the case with Zeke. So that's why I think, you know, if he does sign with the Cowboys, which again, I think is the most likely scenario, he's not going to be the lead back. Tony Power is going to be the lead guy, but Zeke's going to be, you know, probably a, a 10 carry per game with a lot of goal line work guy. He's going to be going 40 picks higher. So, so to me, I, I just, I'm willing to make the bet now thinking that the most likely scenario is that Zeke has value as early as week one. Running back 55 right now in underdog drafts, 177 overall. Yep. And as you said, he had 16 carries inside the five-yard line last year, scored nine touchdowns mm -hmm. on those. He was top 10 or top five, I believe, in team share of inside the five-yard line work, which is important. Touchdowns, mm -hmm. pretty beneficial in uh, fantasy football. Sure. Now, I, here's my question to you, because yep. you – are the goat, let's say, in theoretical <laughs> trade columns. Sure. Uh, if it's not Dallas, do you see him yep. signing anywhere? Because it's him and like Leonard Fournette kind of competing for th the same exact role. And mm -hmm. should I even read into that like Melvin Gordon signs before both ahead of training camp? I, I, I think to be honest, if if Zeke was willing to take the Melvin Gordon offer, he'd have yeah. Yeah, he'd be somewhere. I think Zeke is expecting to get more money. I think he's probably going to land more money. And I don't think it's a bad thing, frankly, for these guys to sit and wait, because if you're someone like Dalvin Cook, who I think is the best running back of the four guys who are free agents, would you rather sign somewhere like Miami right now, where you're going to be in a rotation, you're going to get paid like you're going to be in a rotation, where you don't have a lot of leverage, or would you wait? for someone in training camp to get injured. We need to wait for someone to tear their ACL, to tear an Achilles, because that sadly is an inevitability of training camp that running backs get injured. You're going to lose a guy or two who's in a starting role by the time we get to September. And so if you're Dalvin Cook, you might rather wait for that to happen and then go inside somewhere 
where they are more desperate, where they are going to guarantee you more money, where they are going to guarantee you a bigger role. So I know right now we're looking at it and saying, okay, well, if Zeke doesn't go to the Cowboys, where does he go? But I think the reality is there's going to be two or three more jobs that open up for someone like Zeke over the course of the next month. And while we can't guarantee he's going to have the same role he had in Dallas, I, I think there's a pretty consistent you know, idea of what Zeke is. I don't think anyone's going to bring him in and have him be you know, their jet sweep guy. He, right. He's going to be between the tackles runner. He's going to be a guy who can That's pass pro. protect. Yeah. He's going to have a role that I think is going to be in line with what he did for Dallas last year. And, and I think, frankly, I would not want to use him this way. But there are teams who would absolutely, if they needed to, use Zeke as their primary running back um, because they trust him in all three downs. And I think there's, you know, I don't know if that happens for Leonard Fournette at this point of his career. I think that happens for Dalvin Cook, but I'm not sure. But, you know, I think Zeke, again, like, like when you think about the running backs that are also in that range, you, you're you're taking flyers. You're, you're not really in a position where you're landing guys who are, you know, in a spot to be run, lead running backs, to be even you know, the guaranteed lead running back if someone in front of them gets injured. You're, you're looking at lottery tickets in a lot of plays. Yeah, Jerome Ford at the top of that list, running back 52. Uh, he's one of my highest drafted players uh, at mm -hmm. 47% of my drafts right now. But after that, like Jeez. Said, just ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, it's Raheem Mostert, Tajay Spears, Jeff Wilson, mm -hmm. Chuba Hubbard, Gus Edwards. I'm with you. If I could rank the remaining free agent running backs, it would be Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott, then mm -hmm. Aaron Fournette. And if I'm kind of reading between the lines, you almost think you get like a discount Jamal Williams potentially in Ezekiel Elliott if he resigns yeah. with the- Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're getting a guy who has the role for a 10 touchdown upside. And by the way, in an offense where believe him or don't believe him, but Mike McCarthy has come out and said, hey, we want to run the ball more. And their running backs coaches come out and said, we don't trust Tony Pollard, who's coming off of the serious injury for more than 30 snaps per game. So- that's a lot of workload for someone like Zeke if the opportunity gets there. So I, I you know, again, could it could it not work out? Of course, but like compared to someone like like Ty J Spears, who is a yeah. an exciting player who has no clear NFL role right now and might not even be the guy if Derrick Henry got injured. Like I, I understand wanting to go for the young players, and a lot of the players I have on this list are younger, but I think Zeke is undervalued given the likelihood that he's on a roster report. And no offense to Malik Davis, I believe that's his name. Sure. Um, every day that goes by that the Cowboys do not sign another running back, I think it increases the likelihood by a small percentage that Ezekiel Elliott just winds back there, you know, that they have where, added someone other than Tony Pollard. Josh, where do you think Zeke lands? Let's say Zeke signs with the Cowboys oh, man, love in this. two weeks. Where, where, where do you think he ends up in terms of ADP from that point forward? Yeah, and leave in the comments for all of you who you think as well. Um if he re-signs, um, I bet it is – I mean, I even feel like Jamal Williams at running back 43, that's way too low. Um, mm -hmm. It would probably be – Like right 20? Harris at running back 37, I think. You think 20 yeah. all the way up at 20? No, no, sorry, 120. Oh, 120. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yep. Probably about an ADP of 120, and I think that's that's fair. So I think yeah. if you're – you know, if you're you're doing a, you're trying to figure out the efficiency, you're trying to figure out, you know, uh, what your absolute, what your chances are of getting him at 180, and and how frequently he has to get to 120 before week one to be a worthwhile pick. I think he's worth mixing in at the very least. Yeah, that sweet sweet ADP value uh, when it flips uh, just makes you feel when all the warm and fuzzies. Okay, but. 
You got to root for Zeke all year, which is troubling. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. Okay, this one's more fun. I, I think this, this player is currently the most mispriced player on Underdog. It is a guy who's not even getting thought of right now. Texans wide receiver. That's not a good start, but Texans wide receiver, John Mechie. And of course, I think everyone is thrilled to see John Mechie even playing this year totally. after battling cancer last year. By all accounts, he, he, he's kicked that. He he is, uh, you know, he had, a, I think, a hamstring earlier yep. in camp. OTAs. So he was yep. not 100% in OTAs, but he is, you know, by all accounts, ready to play, which is very exciting. And I, I think we need to reset the scene for what the Texans were thinking a year ago. Remember, they traded up in the second round to get John Mechie. They gave up first round draft capital, basically, to get John Mechie, depending on which, which model you're using. So they saw him, by all accounts, as their future wide receiver one. They used more on him than Nico Collins. They had Brandon Cooks, and of course, traded Brandon Cooks away after the season. But they valued him as a, a very impressive wide receiver. And of course, year one, nobody could have predicted what was going to happen. Does not impact his football ability at all. It's not like he missed the, the year because he had a football injury or because he you know, wasn't playing. Like the, 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 a total unrelated issue. Should not drop his sock to me at all. Now, I'm not, I don't have a strong feeling about him as a prospect heading into the NFL, but what the Texans drafted him tells me they think he's pretty good and he's going to have that opportunity. So now... He's going, what's his ADP? Like 187 now? 189? 183, wide receiver 79. He's going as the wide receiver 79 in an offense where we don't expect him to be very good, but you don't have to be a great offense to have a young receiver step up at the end of the season and be a really valuable player when you get to the fantasy postseason. I think about Amon Ross St. Brown a couple years ago with the Lions where that was not a great offense all year. It struggled. It was not the, the offense we saw a year ago, or it was much more impressive. But Amon Ra had a, a crazy high advance rate because he was super valuable at the end of the season. John Mechie is going to take some time to get used to the NFL. I think he has to get you know back into steady football shape. I think he's going to have a stretch where he's not a focal point of the offense. But could he be a guy where week 14, 15, 16, 17, as CJ Stroud gets a little better, as the offense is a little more comfortable, could he be a guy where whether when they're playing Tennessee and they're down 30 points because Derrick Henry's run for 250 and four touchdowns on them, that John Mechie is the guy in garbage time for them? I think absolutely. I think there's more upside than that. And I, I think, you know, what if he was a rookie this year? 
where would he be going given the draft capital invested? And I look at someone like uh, Jonathan Mingo, where you have Jonathan Mingo, guy on Carolina, drafted early in the second round, a rookie, playing with a rookie quarterback, not a team we expect to be great, not a team we expect to throw a lot. Mingo's going 40 picks higher than John Mechie right now. To, to me, I think Mechie is several rounds undervalued. I think he's one of the rare opportunities where you can invest in a second-year wide receiver that's not being priced like a second-year wide receiver and end up getting significant upside, especially at the end of the season. This is why we do the show. This is it. Um, Beautiful. The Mingo ADP, that's my fault. I'll just let you know that. <laughs> for a very long time. Uh, yeah, you said a wide receiver 79. Let's just count the slot receivers that are going ahead of yeah. Uh, Paris Campbell, potentially Paris Campbell. for the Giants. They have seven. Um, there's also Jaden <laughs> Reed. Paul Beasley. Yeah, who, who's a second round rookie, to your point, as wide receiver, mm-hmm. 74. Um, I mean, just going up this list, it's guys that I bet one of these names in this, this year with like less than 100 fantasy points. You know what I'm no saying? Question. Like, no question. I, I think where my hesitation is for John Mechie, one goes back to him as a prospect to not love him as much as other people, but that's just an individual no question. thing. Right? Sure. Because the Texans did, as you said, Nick Casario mm-hmm. did as the 44th overall selection. Now, mm-hmm. That was different coaching staff. Now we get Bobby Slowick. Now we get D'Amico Ryan. They invest the no ninth overall pick in Tank Dell, who is purely mm-hmm. a slot wide receiver. Gotcha, guy. My final point is, and if you're allowed to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, I'm allowed to talk about Robert Woods. Um, Please. Because <laughs> Robert Woods back in 2018, and maybe somewhat of a similar offense, spent half his snaps in the slot, and that was his best mm-hmm. statistical season. 2019 mm-hmm. was about a third, because that's when Cooper Cup overtook kind of like that role. And so I, yep. I kind of wonder if Robert Woods is going to be the two wide receiver set player with Nico Collins and then maybe mm-hmm. shift inside, but I don't know if they have another, you know, third outside wide receiver. So I just wonder if the veteran is playing over John Mechie and kind of this role that we're picturing for both. I, w- I wouldn't doubt that at the beginning of the season, Woods will be that guy. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, rush Mechie in and he's going to be a 100% snap count guy in week three by any means, but to me, this is a, a play where you're hoping that by the end of the season, when you get to the second half of the year, when there's maybe not as much to play for, for the Texans, um, where they have a motivation to give John Mechie more opportunities. And that's when I think you're hoping Mechie's a difference maker. To me, I think this is a play where you're aligning yourself with the upside of when you want to have your best players available, which is you know, week 14, 15, 16, 17. And that's something I'm trying to work on because I feel like I can nail down what roles players have at the beginning of the season, but in some mm-hmm. ways that is less valuable than trying to project what the roles are at the end of the season, you know? So I, I am trying to improve mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously you don't know, like you can't sit here and say for sure, John Mechie is going to be on the field 98% of the staffs in week 16 and 17. Right. We don't know that, but again, What's the price tag you're paying for that bet versus the the profile, the draft pedigree, uh, the opportunity? You know, like like I think again, we we have seen the market get very mature and really account for the second year wide receiver breakouts to the point where maybe some of those guys are even overvalued heading into 2023. Like someone like Sky Moore, for example, who I love. Sky Moore was bad in year one and is still going in like the 105 range, even before the Kadarius Tony injury. Uh, that, that just came out on Monday. So, you know, guys who weren't even very good in year one are going 
way ahead of someone like John Mechie who missed for a, a totally different reason. So if John Mechie was going in the 140s, I would not be not be taking him very much. But at 180, 185, I think that's such a value. And there's just so few guys who can be difference makers in week 16 and week 17 in that range that if you're going to take a shot on some young player, I think Mechie is a, a guy to take a shot on. Okay, we're going to dig slightly deeper for your last name. Close us out. Who is it? Less exciting, but but I wanted to throw a tight end in there. Someone I was yep. taking a lot whose ADP has gone up quite a bit over the course of the BBM stretch, and that is Mike Kosicki of the New England Patriots. And I think whenever you have the chance to draft a tight end who is not really a tight end, it is an opportunity at the right price you should be taking. Of course, last year, Taysom Hill was the example, and Taysom Hill ended up being an extremely valuable player for best ball because of his rushing ability. And Mike Kosicki is not Taysom Hill. It's a totally different kind of player. But I think in Miami, a year ago, Mike Kosicki was going, I don't remember exactly what his ADP was, but I think it was in the 100 range. Um, he was going much higher. Last year, when Mike McDaniel comes in, Kosicki's miscast. He's used more as a traditional tight end. There, there just was not a great fit. Didn't run as many routes. Was not as an effective part of the offense. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But now he moves to New England, a team that went out and targeted him specifically in free agency. Bill O'Brien, I think, is a guy who is very good at creating uh, valuable opportunities for his receivers. They love to go out and empty, love to spread out the opposing defense. Mike Kosicki is going to have a lot of one-on-ones with space around him. There's going to be a red zone role for Mike Kosicki. And again, this is a tight end range where I know lots of people are going for you know the, the late three, late four tight ends where you're just drafting a bunch of guys in the the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th round, and just hoping that you land, you know, a useful player, which is, I think, a very viable strategy this year. And I think Kosicki, really being a wide receiver who's going to split out and play as a big slot 80, 85% of the time, I, I think that's much better than taking a shot on, you know, either a rookie tight end when those guys have not typically panned out or been very inconsistent, or taking a shot on a guy who has a quote-unquote tight end one role uh, like, like you know, a, a Durham Smythe baby, where they're not going to run as many routes as Mike Kosicki will. My mind was slightly blown when you just uttered the phrase, it's always a value when you can draft a tight end who does not play tight end. Because it's like a simple <laughs> phrase, but this laid on as tight end 23, 186 overall, makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. And I was totally out on Mike Kosicki last year. But now, mm-hmm. again, we get to this point, and it's just a totally different system. And his usage is, if he's going to see the field, it's going to be closer to what we saw in 2021. Mm-hmm. I want to rewind the clock, though, because yes. the one year that we have Bill O'Brien as the play caller for the New England Patriots was a long mm-hmm. time ago, but that was back was. in 2011. Um, guess what the Titans did in 2011? Now, granted, they were – ridiculous talents it's not yes. hunter henry and mike gasicki it was sure. rob gronkowski who got 124 targets and aaron oh, hernandez who got 113 targets mm-hmm. uh gronk got 17 touchdowns on that aaron hernandez uh-huh. got seven but they weren't even the top you know target getters it was Wes welker mm-hmm. with 173 granted don't expect the patriots to throw 38 times per game this yeah. year but small theory that i'll bounce back to you mm-hmm. mike gasicki comes from when his best season in 2021, a heavy RPO offense with Tua and yep. that Dolphins team. The Chiefs mm-hmm. among the league do a bunch of things, but they do run a bunch of RPOs, and that's where Juju came from as well. I kind of wonder if we're about to get a top five 
RPO offense in New England with these okay. two guys being kind of the focal points in the middle of the field on those throws and those targets funneled to them. Does that make sense? Josh, Josh, you're very wise. You are absolutely a wise man. That is absolutely what I think is going to happen, especially because Mac Jones posted video game numbers yep. when he was throwing RPOs at Alabama. He completed like 90% of his RPOs. He averaged more than 11 yards per attempt on RPOs. And I did a podcast on this uh, with Ollie Connolly, who wrote about Mac Jones and the Alabama yep. offense or earlier this offseason, Mac Jones ran like three downfield RPOs last year uh, in New England. That was not a, a focal point of their offense. And Bill O'Brien came from Alabama. He, he was not there with Mac Jones, but he ran the Alabama offense while he was there. There was a lot of RPOs built into it, a lot of easy reads, build up your quarterback's confidence, make his life easier, mitigate some of your pass protection. Like, it's not foreign to the Patriots to do stuff. They move the linebacker. I mean, they've been running the same play-action concept for 25 years with with Bill Belichick and various quarterbacks and offensive coordinators but you know there is absolutely a logical fit there to run more RPOs and Gesicki and Juju are absolutely the players who would benefit from that those glance RPOs uh, where you're just trying to move the linebacker you're just trying to you know create a space for your your big bodied player your tough player to make a catch and absolutely that would benefit Gesicki so I think there's a role for that. I think there's a role for him to be in the red zone. I think he's going to be the move tight end. And I think Hunter Henry is going to be the inline tight end. Hunter Henry is going to have a role and it'll be valuable. But I think Kasicki is going to be a guy who's in the slot 80, 85% of the time. Mike Kasicki is an imperfect player. I mean, he really does turn like a boat. No question. Um, he no question. Literally no question. is one of the worst in the league in yards after catch. But he yeah. is explosive in a straight line. He has explosive mm-hmm. jumps and he can make contested catches and like if he's a big body with long arms then he can be utilized in ways that are successful what it keeps coming back to all roads lead to this year being the late round tight end year bill what can Mm -hmm. go wrong it does feel that way it does feel that way doesn't it (laughs) what can go wrong these have been incredible five names bill thank you so much (laughs) for your show and tell today i really appreciate it um, I know I've been on your show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have some new things coming up. What would you like to plug for the people out there before we get out of here? Oh gosh. Um, just, just ESPN, just grinding, um, more content coming, more written stuff coming for, for ESPN. I have an article coming out this week on the players who have the most to gain or lose and coaches and executives and everyone who has the most to gain or lose this upcoming year. Uh, ESPN Daily podcast, debatable this Love week it. as well with Dominique Boxworth. Um, and then just Bill Barnwell Show podcast, just trying to keep it up. So plenty of content in between, of course, doing best ball traps. Absolutely love it, Bill. All right. Thank you to all of you for watching. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. You're one of my favorite people <laughs> in this bubble that we occupy. I'm so glad we finally got <laughs> to do this. All of you, go check out the rest of the content. Go draft on Underdog. Go play NFL season. Pick them. Again, those links in the description down below. Up the villa. Up the boxes. (laughs) Talk to you all soon. God willing. See ya.